Hey, can, can I just say that what Church Home is about is, is uh, being a space for, for everyone to feel like they absolutely belong and are loved. Um, if there's anything we can do for you as a community, we do not exist simply to share uh, messages or sing songs. We exist to do life together and be a community. And so if you don't get a chance to kind of connect with someone or hear more about what we're doing, who we are, what's going on during the week, um, out in the lobby, if you haven't seen it already, there's some nice people, Next Step Bar, and there's going to be somebody there who'd love to answer questions, pray with you, or um, give you money, or pay for coffee, or take you out on a date. Hey, come on. <clears throat> I'm so excited to share this message with you. If you, again, you're new to this space, um, from wherever you are listening, every time we get together as a community, we go to this book. We believe the Bible is completely inspired by God, and it is God's story. In fact, I, li- I believe the universe is the story of God, and we're living in his story. He's the main character. He's the point of it all, and his love for you is the point of it all. God loves you. Tonight, you're not going to hear bad news. You're going to hear good news. And um, it's good news that we've built this community on. I'm really excited to share this message with you. Today, I'm going to be speaking from the, sub- the subject, the act of wholeness. I don't always have a title, don't always care much for titles, but I've seen something that I've really never seen before in Scripture, and I cannot wait. The subject is forgiveness. I'd like to share with you the power of forgiveness, um, the healing ability of forgiveness. And I want to say this at the outset, from L.A. to Seattle to anyone watching online, when it comes to forgiveness, can we all just agree we are in this together? We're in this together. This is not one of those talks where you can look down the aisle and be like, this is for you. (laughs) Right? Like, this is one of those talks where it's like, this is for everybody. Okay? We're all in on this. We are all going to have to practice receiving forgiveness, forgiving ourselves, and forgiving others. Those three acts, I believe, are the key to the human existence. So again, I'm going to call this message the act of wholeness. I'm going to go to the book of Luke. If you'd like to go there, you're welcome to go there. Uh, If you have a Bible, if you don't, it's going to be up on the screen. Luke and chapter 17. Luke and chapter 17. And verse 3 is Jesus speaking now. He says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the same day and turns to you seven times in the same day saying, I repent or will you forgive me? You must, listen to Jesus' emphatic language, you must forgive him. Go with me to Matthew, Matthew's gospel, in chapter 18 and verse 21. Again, Jesus talking about the subject of forgiveness, the act of forgiveness, the act of wholeness. Peter came up to Jesus and he says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Now keep in mind, Peter is very impressed with his forgivability. 
the, 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 the Jewish tradition or rule of thumb, if you will, or rule of the day was if someone sinned against you three times in a day, you would forgive them all three times. A fourth time, you would have license to not grant forgiveness. So Peter, upping the ante, says to Jesus, hey, like, if a friend of mine does something mean or offensive or hurtful to me seven times, I'm still going to forgive him. And watch Jesus' response. Jesus said to him, no, I don't say seven times, but 70 times seven. First of all, there's a lot of sevens floating around in these verses, if you haven't noticed. Seven times in a day, seven times forgiven. And then Peter says, didn't you say seven times? And Jesus goes, nah, more like 70 times seven. In other words, a lot. Why the numbers? I want to explain why I believe sevens are used in these two verses and what Jesus is saying to us. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you. We just stop every time we get together to acknowledge that without you, your presence, your reality, this is nothing more than a motivational speech. I'm asking that you would help me tell your story that you would help me provoke our community to walk in forgiveness. God, I thank you for every man, woman, boy, and girl under the sound of my voice. Lord, from right here in LA to Seattle and those watching online around the world, I pray, God, you would help us to truly understand forgiveness. Bless the brief moments we have left to share now. and Give us understanding and wisdom. And thank you for all the right decisions the Seattle Seahawks are going to make in the offseason, in Jesus' name. And help the Dolphins since it's Rye's birthday. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Have you ever felt like you were missing something? I don't mean like on a grand scale. Some of you are like, yeah, a spouse. All right, all right, relax, okay? <laughs> but have you ever felt like you're missing something? You, you know what I'm talking about? Like suddenly... You walk into a room, I'm 40, so bear with me. You walk into a room and you're like, I don't remember why I walked in here. <laughs> or somebody's talking and you can't wait to talk. They get done talking and you're like, man, I was going to say something so good. And I can't remember because you just kept talking. Or just that feeling when you're leaving the house. It's, it's so weird. I don't know where it comes from, but you're like, wait, am I? I got to be forgetting something. Or like when you pull out of your driveway early in the morning to meet up with some friends for, for breakfast, for, for, for a birthday, and you smash your car into the wall of your driveway and you're missing a bumper. That was me this morning. You know, there's... A lot of, I didn't even cuss. I just want to say that. And I was very proud of myself. I did. And I said, in the name of Jesus. That's what I said. I've been in church too long. I got out of the car. I was like, in the name of Jesus. I'm ripping off plastic in the bumper. By the way, bumpers are all plastic now. Who knew, right? But I hate that feeling of missing something, that feeling of incomplete, that feeling where you don't feel whole, or more specifically, you don't feel right. You just don't feel right. I want to speak to that today. I think much of those sensations and feelings, if I could take it a step further, even anxieties, 
that are inexplicable. Feelings of unsettledness that you can't exactly attach to a particular scenario or situation. But I think when we do not participate in the act of wholeness, there are incomplete spaces and pieces in our soul that oftentimes we're not incredibly conscious of or even aware of, but they're there and they leave us feeling at times incomplete. Now, I'm not going to be the guy in your life who's like, do you feel incomplete? I mean, because if, you know, somebody like points their finger in your face and like, do you feel there's pieces of your soul that are missing because you won't forgive your, you know, you're like, no, 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 I'm fine. Relax. Not a big deal. Or if you're like me, have you ever, have you ever been confronted by someone that you actually haven't thought of in many, many, many years? Has this ever happened to you? Like, hey, Judah, I just, I, I, this may sound weird, but I've been offended with you for many, many years but I just want you to know I forgive you. Suddenly, I've never been offended with this person, but suddenly, because they were offended at me and have found me somewhere on the streets of Seattle and LA, suddenly, now I'm offended at you. You ever met, yeah, and, and some of you haven't been in church at all because in church, this becomes kind of a thing where we're like, hey, brother, could I just have coffee with you for 30 minutes? Like, yeah, dude, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in years. You sit down at coffee and you realize it's one of those meetings. And they're like, listen, it was 91 and we were at youth camp, and you said I was ugly. <laughs> Haven't listened to your sermon since. You know, you're like, I'm offended at you for being offended at me. You know, and, and, and it is amazing how offense, unforgiveness, there's, there's all kinds of sizes of unforgiveness, bitterness, offense, I, I believe the reason Jesus uses sevens in both portions, I've never seen this before, he uses sevens, seven is a very significant number in scripture. Seven represents completeness, it represents perfection, it represents wholeness. Jesus is not giving us a literal math problem, 70 times seven. Is that 700 times? 400. See, I told you, that's why it's not a math problem. You mathematicians, you're wrong. I'm kidding, you're awesome. But the point here is not that we add it up to 400 and whatever it is. For what? 490. I don't care. No, I'm kidding. Like I, <laughs> that's, what, that's what people who are bad at math do. We make fun of math because that makes us feel better. Math is stupid because you can't do it, bro. That's why. <laughs> so, 490, the point actually isn't three times a day, 70 times a day, or 490. The point is not at 491, which would be one offensive day. That'd be one incredible 24-hour period of offense. But the point Jesus is not making is that at 491, you go up, you cross the line, I shall not forgive. I don't know why there's kind of a rhythm to this, but you are not unforgiven. <laughs> the point is we're not supposed to count, are we? And the reason sevens are used is because Jesus is saying, I think, multiple things here. He's saying, first of all, we are to forgive wholly. We need to forgive completely. We need to forgive all the way. 
Now, oftentimes that means you're going to have to keep forgiving and keep forgiving. You ever had this experience? You forgive somebody, and then the next day you're like, I think I need to forgive them all over again. And then 10 years later, you see them and you're like, you know what? I'm going to forgive you again. That's real. That's called practicing the act of wholeness. It's practicing forgiveness. So when he says 70 times 7, 7 times 7, the point is we need to completely forgive. I also think it means that the act of forgiveness is the response of whole people. The act, I want to explain this, the act of forgiveness is one of the most mature acts a human being can be involved in. When you forgive somebody, it is indicative. Oftentimes, Christians are often uh, 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 Jesus followers or just, just anybody is wondering, am I really maturing? Am I really growing? Am I really progressing? Could I just throw out there for your consideration that one of the great gauges of whether or not you have journeyed with Jesus or progressed in your spirituality or found any spiritual growth, how good are you at forgiving? That's a real good gauge. If forgiveness for you is difficult, I think there's more opportunity for you and I to grow. Forgiveness is the response of the whole person. It's the response. My dad used to say, um, the person who asks for forgiveness first is the more mature person. So Chelsea and I for 19 years have a little competition in our marriage. And when we're in a fight, which happens a few times a day, the point is, the point is, the most mature person will say, you know what, that was so dumb, babe. Will you forgive me for my attitude? Now, typically, that's Chelsea, just because she's competitive, not because she's spiritual. <laughs> I'm kidding. She's way more spiritual, okay? Because my dad was trying to teach me that one of the most mature things a human being can do is either ask for forgiveness, forgive themselves, or forgive others. Are you growing? Are you maturing? Are you responding? How good is your forgiver? Do you use your forgiver a lot? Are you and your forgiver at odds? Or is forgiving an act, something you participate in on a regular basis? No, the for, for forgiveness is the act of wholeness. And last, lastly, I believe not only do whole people forgive, but I believe by forgiving, you will increase your wellness, completeness, and wholeness. Let me say it like this, and I'll explain what I mean. Forgiveness comes from wholeness, and forgiveness creates wholeness. That's why tonight I'm calling, or today I'm calling it the act of wholeness. What do I mean by forgiveness comes from wholeness? Well, right now in this moment, you're, you're sitting in a community that believes in a God whose name is Jesus. We believe that he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. We believe that Jesus knew no sin so that he could become sin, so that each and every one of us, by simply receiving the free gift of forgiveness, we could become right with God. There is no good news without forgiveness. I'm going to say this, the universe unravels without forgiveness. 
We cease to exist as we do without the truth and reality of forgiveness. So Jesus, he's hanging there on the cross. He is perfection. He is God incarnate. He is the incarnation, which means God actually, creator God who breathed stars into existence, put on skin and bone, and lived a sinless, perfect life for approximately 33 years and only did good, only healed people, restored people, loved people, cared for people, and moved towards the marginalized and the overlooked. He yielded up his life. He hung between two criminals, and there, one of the last things he said while his, while his lungs filled with blood for nearly six hours, he says this, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he says, it is finished. What's finished? The price for forgiveness has been paid. Do you know what the message is of Jesus' followers? Everybody is forgiven. All you have to do is accept it. That's our message. Our message is forgiveness. Everywhere we go as a community, our message is you're forgiven. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. You're forgiven. No, I'm not. Yep. All you got to do is accept it. The price has already been paid. The bill has been covered. Forgive. It is finished. You are forgiven. That's where the wholeness begins. When you accept the full and complete, please hear me, we have made the forgiveness of Jesus incomplete, therefore we struggle to forgive others completely. Many of us believe that I'm only forgiven for what I confess to Jesus. I'm only forgiven for what I did yesterday with Jesus. Jesus couldn't possibly forgive me for what I'm about to do in the year 2020. Absolutely he has. Absolutely he has. For he died on the cross 2,000 years ago, and yet that act of complete and total forgiveness has been paid for, and now all your sins in the future are forgiven. I stand before you as a man who's received the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers, and I am forgiven for any dumb thing I'll do tomorrow and any other day I live. I am completely forgiven. This is where forget the act of wholeness begins, that you and I accept the fact that I am holy, completely, utterly, entirely, and unconditionally loved and forgiven. All I had to do was unwrap the gift and call it mine. Thanks, Jesus. I am now forgiven. It's, it's finished. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 says this about this reality because we're so, so chosen by God for this new life of love. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet, strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Quick Forgive as quickly, sorry, I was repeating that, wasn't I confused you? That's on me, that's on me, that's on me. Can you imagine trying to run PowerPoint with this guy? Okay, forgive as quickly, listen to this now, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And whatever else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment, never be without it. So, so because we are forgiven quickly and completely, that's why I say wholeness comes from forgiveness. 
And forgiveness creates more wholeness. But I want you to notice there's a speed in which we're to forgive. Jesus followers now. It's supposed to be quick. Now, if you're like me, I'm like, oh, I'm going to forgive. Give me a minute. Give me a weekend to, you know, sit in my bitterness because it, it just feels nice. Let me share my unforgiveness with a few folks in the church just to get some prayer. Come on, church people. Now, I don't, listen, I don't want you to pick up my offense for me, but I do need some prayer, my brother, my sister. Listen, I don't know if you heard. And then, now, now I will forgive this person if they can prove to me that they deserve it. Do you know that's never taught in Scripture? In fact, the opposite is taught in Scripture. Do you know why? Because Jesus did the opposite. Jesus did the opposite. Jesus didn't wait around and say, now, when you put yourself together, then I'm going to forgive you. Now, church has got kind of a, a, a very unique narrative out there on the streets because we're leading people to believe that is the case, that God is waiting around going, when you get your stuff together, I will finally give you forgiveness. But forgiveness has already been given to all who simply accept it. So we're supposed to do, I know, not the most encouraging sermon ever, but um, you're supposed to forgive quickly. <laughs> How great is this? Forgive quickly. Forgiveness produces more wholeness, though, as well. Look at this teaching Jesus gives us, and I think it's Luke's gospel as well. He says this, I think it's Luke 6, there it is. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. That sounds just like how all of us operate on Twitter and social media, doesn't it? When did, when, when, when did it become okay for Jesus' followers to get mean and ugly on social media. When did that happen? When did that become a thing? When was that okay? We start arguing with people online. Ladies and gentlemen, what a waste of time. I'm not opinionated about a lot of things, but this one I am, and the Seahawks. I just bless those who curse you. Hey, at so-and-so, I think you're ugly. Well, I think you are too. Like, what? what I just think it says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Watch this. It gets worse. <laughs> to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Now, I'm just going to take this opportunity to correct the misnomer with this verse. This, this verse has led people to believe that Christians are not supposed to defend the defenseless or protect people. That's got nothing to do with this. To strike someone on the cheek in ancient Eastern culture was the, the most insulting act think, thought of or thinkable. So Jesus, do you know what he's actually talking about here? He said, if someone offends you, don't be offended. Don't retaliate. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna wade into this just a little bit because I'm 40, bear with me, okay? When did we become so offendable? 
And when did our offenses become so justifiable? What are you? I'm offended. <laughs> Nowadays, that's synonymous with I'm, I'm taking a stand. <laughs> Offense has become like the same thing as like standing for what is right. They're not the same thing. Offense is bitterness. It's a form of strife. It's toxic. Taking a stand for what is right is called justice. Offense and justice are not supposed to be kissing cousins. But now we've said, because I'm offended, I'm going to take justice. You will not walk justice outright because you are offended. And you've got bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart and offended people offend people, hurt people hurt people. Now bear with me now, if you have not received the free gift of Jesus and his forgiveness, you are off the hook. Relax, exhale, breathe. For those of us that have digested the words and ways of Jesus, who forgave all of us while hanging on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That was for you. That was for me. We are forgiven. What, what's the ultimate act of insult in today's culture? I'll just leave that with you. What, what's the ultimate act of insult? We're supposed to be the people on the planet who, when insulted in the most profound way, we do not retaliate, we do not digest it, we, he says, turn the other cheek. And all Jesus is saying here is be unoffendable. What? Yeah. Do you remember that old saying? I love this one. I'm rubber, you're glue. It's not biblical, but it's worth mentioning. Whatever you say bounces off me and, and then goes on the Lord. You know, like, that's not how it goes. When did we become so offendable? When did offense become like a family member? When did offense become your roommate? When did offense become like the thing that starts to define your social engagement in circles? When did it become okay for us to talk offended and think offended? Those of us that have offended the living God and he forgave us. And we walking out on these streets talking about, oh, I, I have nothing to do with him. Why? Oh, because, well, I, you know what? I'm not even going to say. <laughs> I'm just saying. Now, I want to bring some clarity because at this point, th every thinking person in this room, which is all of you, you're amazing. Everyone watching online or in Seattle is like, hold on a minute. What are you talking about? For instance, forgiveness is not trust. Trust is earned. Forgiveness is given and can be immediate. Trust is not immediate. I didn't say you got to trust everybody, nor does Jesus. Jesus never taught forgiveness and trust. Same thing. That's where we get confused. 
because I will not forgive. I don't trust them. Nobody said you got to trust them. You just got to release them and release yourself. Hey, forgiveness doesn't mean that person's got to be your best friend. In some cases, there are laws that will keep you from that person for your own safety. But forgiveness is the act of wholeness. For, for, forgiveness, forgiveness is not seeing what was done to you as permissible or excusable. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not saying what you did to me was okay. What you did to me was excusable. No, forgiveness is not legitimizing the offense against you. It is taking the offense against you and putting it in the hands who has the right to judge. And his name is God. So forgiveness, you can have all your opinions, but forgiveness says, no, I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to talk about it. I don't need to blog about it. I don't need you to text me or call me or get me worked up about it. I don't need friends like that. I don't need, that's not going to help me. It's not going to benefit me. It's not going to make me whole. not going to make you whole. Let's not do this. I'm going to take this act that was done against me, no matter how diabolical it was, and I'm going to put it in the hands of God. And if I may say so myself, I'm going to get on with my life. I'm going to get on with my life. Yeah. I got a little saying, it's not my wife, it's not my life. I'm good. I'm moving on. No, it's, and by the way, forgiveness cannot be demanded by the offender. That's, that's not okay either. We're not going to build a community where people are like, you have to forgive me, so do it. <laughs> but when forgiveness is asked for, even when it's not asked for, even when it's demanded, we can still forgive. But wouldn't it be great if we had a community that was, hey, will you, will you forgive me? Absolutely, I'll forgive you. Now, trust has to be rebuilt. The boundaries of a relationship should be reconsidered. All these things. In some cases, some people, for what they've done to others, should be incarcerated. Of course, we're not talking about even the legalities here, nor am I trying to minimize the atrocious act that was done against you. But what remains is an opportunity to participate in the act of wholeness. The act of wholeness. Where do I get so bold. How, why am I so emboldened in this message? Well, first of all, because I'm talking to myself, because I'm talking to myself. If, if just, just as a side caveat, let me say this. If you're wondering if you have any unforgiveness in your heart, let me describe it something like this. If you see a photo, a post run into him or her, and there is not a caution, that can be wise. A, a boundary, that can be shrewd. But if there is immediately something that starts to churn in you, and it can feel like anxiety, it can feel like fear, it can feel like anger, and suddenly, and I want you to ask yourself, 
who's hurting here. You, you, it's, it's as if you relive it again. And they said, one, 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 one scholar says, he says, uh, resentment is like poison you drink while waiting for the other person to die. Now they're going to die. No, it's going to eat at you. The bitterness, the resentment, the unforgiveness. And I'm not saying that you got to get a hold of this person and go to coffee with them. In some cases, that would be unwise. But I'd like to make a bold statement that in the remaining 10 minutes of this talk, you and I could participate in an act of wholeness. You said, Judah, it's not that easy. Well, it's not unless you fix your eyes on Jesus, who while suffocating in his own blood said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he said, it is finished. Forgiveness has been paid for. Are you like me? Are you, are you smart enough to know that you can't like, you can't like, hold like a big unforgiveness in your heart. And you're never going to be caught by nobody in the church talking about, I could never forgive them. Like you're too smart to say stuff like that. But you keep just little pet offenses towards people. Never do that again. My brothers and sisters, we can be whole. We can be mature. We can experience a level of freedom. I, I, I do not want to pretend for a moment that I understand what you're going through, but anxiety is rampant right now in our culture. And I do believe an aspect of it is we're not whole because there are pieces of our soul that are filled with venom for other people. The concluding story I'm about to read to you, I do not do it lightly, but it is a true story. By reading this story, in no ways am I lessening the horrific act that happened. This is one of the stories from an act that is despicable in nature. Nonetheless, this is quite possibly one of the most powerful stories I've ever read of forgiveness. Here's the story, and someone could come play the piano. <laughs> Corey Ten Boom, some of you may know that name. Her family resisted the Nazis by hiding Jews in their home. They were ultimately discovered and sent to a concentration camp. Corey barely survived until the end of the war. Her family members died in captivity. Seared by this terrible trial by fire, Corey's faith in God also survived. She spent much of her time in the post-war years traveling in Germany and elsewhere in Europe, sharing her faith in Jesus. On one occasion in 1947, while speaking in church in Munich, she noticed a balding man in a gray overcoat near the rear of the basement room. She had been speaking on the subject of God's forgiveness. But her heart froze. It froze within her when she recognized the man. She could picture him as she had seen him so many times before in his blue Nazi uniform with the visored cap. 
the cruelest of the guards at the Ravensbrook camp where Corey had suffered the most horrible indignities and where her own sister had been killed. Yet here he was. At the end of her talk, coming up the aisle toward her with his hand thrust out. Thank you for your fine message, he said. How wonderful it is to know that all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. Yes, Corey had said that in her sermon. She had spoken so easily of God's forgiveness, but here was a man whom she despised and condemned with every fiber of her being. She couldn't take his hand. She couldn't extend forgiveness to this Nazi oppressor. She realized that this man didn't even remember her. How could he remember one prisoner among thousands? You mentioned Ravensbrook, the man continued, his hand still extended. I was a guard there. I'm ashamed to admit it, but it's true. But since then, Corey, I've, I've come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It's been really hard for me to forgive myself for all the cruel things I did, but I know that God has forgiven me. But, but if you would, please, I'd like to hear it from your lips, too, that God has forgiven me. And so Cor Corey recorded her response in her book, and she said this. I stood there, I whose sins had again and again been forgiven, and yet I could not forgive. It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. I had to do it. I knew that. It was a simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart and so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder. It raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And even and then his healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. And I cried, I forgive you, brother, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I have never known God's love so intensely as I did then. So, there's that. It's hard not to read that, and your mind starts to swim. And again, I, I preface this with, all the sensitivity and carefulness that I can as a leader, but, but, but how can I not read a story like that and present it to you? And maybe many of you have heard it before, but I'm talking about a forgiveness that comes from God that seems to know no bound. A forgiveness that is open to all. The Bible says God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. No matter what you've done, no matter how despicable or deplorable or horrific or horrible, God says, come one, come all. Forgiveness is free. I've paid for it. And so we sit, so many of us, as recipients and benefactors of that forgiveness. 
And yet will you and I, my brother and sister, withhold the forgiveness that is ours to give one to another? And I just wonder, in this act of forgiveness, this act of wholeness, is that what stands on the other side of words like, I forgive you, my brother, with my whole heart, I wonder in that moment, you and I might experience the love of God in a dimension unlike we have ever known before. Oh, it is God's desire for you to be whole, healthy, buoyant, alive, and experiencing his radical love. I just get a sense reading that story that in the very act of forgiveness, we see such a portrait of who our God is. Oh, I don't just want to attend church, listen to podcasts, read books, and wear church merch. I want to be a forgiver. I want to be a forgiver. And I don't do it all the time, but if, if, if I could just tell you my tip-top goals here, I want to be a forgiver fast. I want to be a forgiver fast. And if Jesus can forgive me, and if Corey can forgive that man, I too can forgive. And in the act of wholeness, experience more and more completeness in Jesus. So God, I ask for strength I ask that you would persuade us again of your forgiveness and your love. Lord, I recognize that the waters we have just waded into, they, they rage. They seem deep. They seem ominous, difficult. But you walk on the water. You're in control. You're in control. Freely, we have been forgiven, now freely we shall forgive. Thank you, Jesus. It is amazing to consider, Jesus, that you allow us to participate in forgiveness. What a gift. May we experience healing in the act of forgiveness. We cannot do this without your example. We cannot do this without your spirit. We cannot do this without your power. We cannot do this without your strength. And Lord, for those that we're going to have to forgive almost every day for the rest of our lives, I thank you that every single day you're going to give us strength and courage and faith to do the forgiving again. Lord, there are people in here, they need to forgive themselves. They need to forgive themselves. God, I thank you freely forgiven them. They're free now to forgive themselves. There are others in here, Lord, that want to receive the free forgiveness that only you, that only you give. For the Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. If you want that everlasting life that only Jesus offers, the forgiveness that only Jesus offers freely for all, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand all over this auditorium in L.A., all over the different locations in Seattle, and around the world watching online. If you would like to respond and receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers on the count of three, just shoot up your hand. One, 
two, three. If that's you, just shoot up your hand and say, I receive it. I receive it. God, thank you that forgiveness flows freely at church home. Not only from you to us, but from us to others. God, I thank you for that right now. Thank you for that right now. Thank you for that right now. And I don't, I don't always do this, but I just want to do a second call. And nobody's looking around just for privacy. If you know you need to forgive someone or you need to forgive yourself, and you're willing to do that by the strength of Jesus, you actually want to participate in the act of wholeness and healing called forgiveness for yourself or for someone else. Would you shoot your hand up? all over this auditorium, online, or any of our locations in Seattle. So God, here's our hands. We don't understand what it all means and all the implications, but we want to be forgivers. We want to be forgivers. God, I pray as we sing with each other, as we sing together in our different spaces and places, as the music begins to play, I pray for the experience that Corey experienced would be the story of so many. Thank you, God. Power to forgive. Strength to forgive. In Jesus' name, if you're able and willing, would you stand? Let's sing together. Come on, church.